0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of the Frontrunner.
2: So start with the uh, shoulder in a little. My name is Gary Hardin. I'm running for president. I want you to think about the opportunity that we have right here, right now. I've never known a guy more talented at untangling politics so that anyone can understand. It is a gift, and he wants to share that. And all anybody wants is for him to take a stupid photo. He will never understand that.
1: Gary Hart is the man to beat in 88.
2: If we hold ourselves to those highest standards, then the voters cannot do otherwise.
3: Senator, I want to ask you some questions about the woman at your townhouse. Can you tell us how you know her? You can't be
2: serious. No one is staying in my home. There's no need for that.
3: Uh, I I am serious, sir. The one thing I asked was that you don't embarrass me.
2: We can't hide from this. The cameras go everywhere.
1: It's It's
2: up to us to hold these guys accountable. Just because some other paper used gossip as front page news, I mean, that doesn't mean we have to. It does. It does now.
0: He is a man with power, and that takes certain responsibility.
2: We need to say something. It's nobody's business. None of it is. Okay, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about how you get through today. <laughs> this campaign is about the future, not rumors, not sleeves, and I care about the sanctity
0: of this process, whether you do or do not. I want-
3: Go on, Gary. Say it.
2: There's going to be a story tomorrow about me.
0: All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for The Front Runner, and the story is as follows. Democrat Gary Hart becomes the frontrunner for the 1988 presidential nomination until allegations of an affair derail his campaign. The film is starring Hugh Jackman, Vera Farmiga, jk simmons and alfred molina it is written and directed by jason reitman and co-written by matt Bai and jay carson joining me for this review i have nicole ackman
1: hi everybody
0: beatrice Loiza. hello hello and over from the splash report we have joining us as the guests for this review jorge burnham everyone hey everyone jorge glad to have you back thank you glad to be back Absolutely. Uh, this is very interesting and fun here because Beatrice, you saw this film back at Toronto. Jorge, you saw this film back at Telluride. Nicole and I both saw it here in New York City. And this film was considered to be, before the Oscar season started and it premiered, one of the frontrunners for the award <laughs> season. That's wah, the last wah. time I'm going to make that pun <laughs> uh, because it is clearly not. <laughs> I have lots of thoughts on this movie, and I am going to do my best to maintain my composure throughout this review, not knock over anything, not blow my mic, and certainly not blow your eardrums with maybe the passionate anger that might come seething through this microphone. But I digress. Let's ask somebody first what they thought of The Front Runner. I will pass it off, actually, to our lovely guest here, Jorge. What did you think of Jason Reitman's second film this year after Tully, The Front Runner?
2: Yeah, uh, I love Tully a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the the, the movie for me has a couple of problems. Uh, One is, you know, the actual way the movie's made and the structure of the movie where uh, it's kind of a little bit we're very set up and it's, you know, these little quips and little quirky little things about the guy and about politics and it's cute and it's clever. Uh, and the story just kind of never really convinces me because like a lot of Reitman's movies, I find he's really trying really hard, not to seem like he's trying really hard. Uh, so that, that's kind of like from the movie narrative perspective. And then, you know, you get into the substance of it and the, the, the politics of it. You know, I think it's, it's a lot of questions that are unanswered. It's very unsatisfying. Um, he, doesn't, he analyzes this issue of, you know, the problems between media, govern, government, the people, doesn't explain how or why we got to that point in 1988, and doesn't ultimately kind of solve, you know, what could be a step forward or a solution or some sort of coda to answer it. So it just kind of sits there. Um, so that that was my other issue with the movie. And you know, it has some good performances and it's definitely an interesting story. So I wouldn't say, oh my god, i never watch this movie, but you know, it just kind of ends up being pretty eh.
0: I will say this, and this is kind of a prelude to my thoughts. I would like to have seen this movie at a different time in my life. I would not like to have seen this movie on neither the day that I saw it or in twenty eighteen in general. Um I'll move on to other thoughts on that later. Beatrice, you're up. What did you think of The Front Runner?
3: Uh, I agree with a lot of, of what you said, Jorge. I'm, in general, I wasn't a fan of The Front Runner when I saw it a few months ago. Something that I did have the privilege of hearing is when I was at TIFF, um, I, I did hear Reitman talk about the intentions he had with the film. And something that that stuck out to me was he wasn't really concerned with making a biopic so much as he was trying to capture the event of, of Gary Hart's downfall through multiple perspectives. And I think that what he did achieve is he created a certain ambiguity um, that I liked. And it wasn't necessarily about instilling a message so much as it was grappling with with these new tensions and examining this new political culture at the time, which I thought was interesting. But I mean, unfortunately, I so many of us are gonna see the film through the lens of today's politics. And because of that, this ambiguity makes the film feel lost and uninspired, perhaps even irresponsible. Not to mention uh, the fact that he wants to focus on so many different viewpoints make it seem as if there's very little character development. So you end up not really caring about any one person. So in general, I felt very bleh about the front runner. Mm.
0: Nicole.
1: If I had to describe this film in one word it would be frustrating.
0: That's that's a, that's a nice word for it.
1: Yeah, the performances are good. You know, I didn't have any real issues with camera work editing and it's a topic that should be really fascinating but it felt to me that the film shied away from taking any kind of a stance on what was occurring and I feel like in our modern political atmosphere that is, like you said Beatrice, irresponsible maybe. To me, I just was kind of like, oh, all right, that's it, I guess. I (laughs) would not recommend it to anyone.
0: (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to just come right out and say that this might be the most subjective take of 2018 that I have had (laughs) uh, to any movie this year, possibly. And it's probably the most least objective I feel that I have been towards a movie this year, and I still feel this way about this movie because every time I think about it, I almost want to vomit. (laughs) I saw this movie on the same day as the uh, bomb threats to CNN and other uh, public officials. And all I could think about that day was this idea of the press as the enemy of the people, of Washington and our current administration, and how they view the press. And here's a movie that is about a politician and his relationship with the press. And even though it takes place in the 1980s, it's like to to your point, uh Nicole. It's frustrating. And to your point, Beatrice, it is confusing. And to your point, Jorge, it's well. It's everything that all of you said. It's like this movie to me is just so baffling because it doesn't take a stance. Instead, it tries to have its cake and eat it too. It wants to have it both ways. It wants to show that the press is responsible in trying to take down uh, public officials. Where before in the past, with people like uh, say John F. Kennedy, they would have turned uh, the other way to his affair that he his affairs rather that he had had. Um, and that the climate with the news cycle was changing during this time, and it is trying to capture that change that was occurring in the in the idea of public perception uh, that is filtered through the press, and how the, the politicians also have these relationships, actual personal relationships with some of the press members. The movie also tries to show uh, that aspect of it as well, and how this is actually a moral conundrum. Uh, Four of the members of the press because they genuinely like this man. We, as an audience, genuinely like this man. Why? Because we're going to cast Hugh Jackman in the lead role. And who doesn't like <laughs> Hugh Jackman? They're basically begging us to have sympathy for this guy. And that's the, that's where I run, run into the problem here. Why should I actually have sympathy for him when he was a sleazeball who cheated on his wife, thought it wasn't necessarily a big deal, and honestly is kind of portrayed as a bit of an asshole in the movie? You're asking me to have sympathy for him? No, I ain't buying that. And and uh, OK, so my, my ideas now are starting to get lost because of my anger. So somebody else take the mantle from me for a moment.
2: Well, it's funny because you mentioned something about the relationship with the press and the politicians. Uh, if you remember, that was also something that was discussed and explored in the movie The Post as something that was yes. changing in the 60s and 70s to a much more satisfactory conclusion. Here, it's i mean, it's—it's it's just kind of there, but it's not really fitting into the story or the narrative arc of what's changing with the press. And I think just fundamentally, it's asking you to buy something that I don't think any of us can or should buy in 2018, this idea that the politician's personal life isn't relevant to their ability to govern. I think that's maybe, <laughs> excuse me, um, you know, a line that some of us Democrats or liberals like to use in the 1990s to defend Bill Clinton but that today we understand is just wrong and why should it be right i mean if someone's you know if someone's doing things that the majority of people consider to be wrong why is it not relevant people can make their own choices and the morals of the time can be wrong but
0: not not to relevant. mention it's 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 a display of character it's a display of judgment like of course it is wrong I I don't understand how somebody can look at that type of behavior and justify within themselves. Like, I can get away with doing these things. Oh, but, you know, still trust me, I'm a good public official and I'm going to have great stances on policy and so on and so forth. And I have your best interests at heart. Oh, by the way, I, you know, screw around on on the side. And, you know, obviously that hurts my wife and I'll ask for forgiveness later. No, like you – Sexist, misogynist prick. <laughs> like, oh it's my also, God. It's also like, I, you know, <sighs> the movie made, uh, like, the
2: movie was very frustrating to watch over Labor Day weekend. Like, I can't even imagine watching it after, like, Brett Kavanaugh. Like, it's just, oh it's to oh. convince anybody. Like, that, the, the, exactly. the whole premise of it is just not, not believable.
0: And, you know, and, and that's where I say, like, I, I wish I had seen this movie even, say, I don't know, five years ago, <laughs> because I wonder if, I would have just a different perception of this movie. I don't know because I kind of want to see it a second time to ask myself maybe so that maybe I I kind of have the expectation, uh, you know, added away And it's like, all right, I know this movie frustrated me the last time I saw it. Maybe I can view it through a more objective lens and grapple a little bit more with its themes and try to weave through it a little bit better. I don't know if it will still because to be honest with you, I don't even know if I want to watch it again. I just don't want to be reminded of this anger that we have felt through real world experiences.
1: I think my issue with it, too, is that it kind of squanders the good arguments for privacy and stuff. I felt, you know. If they wanted to make that argument, they should have maybe hit home a little bit harder on the fact that, like, his daughter is being affected really negatively by yes. it. And the press are hounding her and his wife because that I see as the actual issue here. Like, he's chosen to be in the spotlight. And at that point, in my mind, you know, when he chose to, to run for office, he has given up his privacy. But... That's not true for his daughter. And I just I thought maybe they were going to go that way a little bit more. And I was like, oh, OK, like that's a decent point.
0: If if they had done a better job of highlighting the effects of this on his wife, his daughter, mm-hmm. his campaign manager, and just in general, all the people around him in his life and less so on him. I don't yeah. give a shit what he thinks. I don't care. He's in the wrong. That, that's, where I, that's where I like – I wish the movie had just taken a much more firm stance instead of trying to have every character in this movie be portrayed in a sympathetic light because then I don't know where my sympathies are supposed to lie. I don't know who's good and who's bad. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to start getting into this idea of – well, maybe it's not so black and white. Maybe it is gray. Well, then I gotta apply that to, like I said, real-world examples. And I don't wanna do that. Well, you can't I mean you can't
2: to this movie. That's the thing. I mean, it's okay, you know, a movie like to a story to be good, quote unquote good, it has to inspire people or move people. So you have to have someone you can root for. It. And if it's gonna be a morally ambiguous story that leaves you thinking that has to be something that's actually morally ambiguous. Cheating on your wife repeatedly is not morally ambiguous. It's wrong. So <laughs> like it's not like, you know, it just fails.
0: Right. Exactly. And to your point, uh Jorge, you brought up the post earlier. That is a movie where the lines between good and wrong are clearly there. And as a result of which that was that was a feel good movie that people walked out of feeling inspired by and hell, it got a best picture nomination for goodness sake
3: because of it, you know? Yeah. I think What's interesting about how it correlates with the post is that, I mean, some people had problems with the post because it wasn't, you know, necessarily that thematically difficult. And it's like Reitman chose to take the complete opposite angle by like doing something really ambitious that, like you said, (sighs) this ridiculous gray area. But then he almost like forgets the ages we're living in now or the age we're living in now.
0: Well, now, to also give a little bit of leeway, uh, if I remember correctly, and Beatrice, maybe you can clarify this for me. Wasn't this script written pre-Trump and production even, like, beginning on this, like, pre-the election and all everything?
3: You know what I mean? I think, yeah, it, it did begin before the election, but, I mean, it wasn't finished before it.
0: <laughs> it's, like, one of those things where, I I, I have to admit, maybe, maybe... And this is where, I, like I said, I start to say to myself, like, okay, let's try to view this through a different lens here. I start to like say to myself, maybe they're just the victims of bad luck, you know, in terms of timing and when this movie came okay, out.
1: Okay, I just found the book on which the film is based came out in 2014. And according to this, um, they began shooting in fall 2017.
0: Oh. So that that goes out the window. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> I felt the same way. You know, maybe it, that's why I had looked. I was thinking like, oh, I guess if they started on this during Obama's presidency, then that's, you know, a different moral situation that we're dealing with. But then I found that and I was like, oh. And
0: now I want to also just clear that, like, I know the intentions are in the right place and I could see what they were trying to do to Jorge's point. It is a classic example of, here's our ambition, here's our intent. They failed. And if they want to take the reactions to the film that they got out of the festivals and then they want to spin it, you know, in their interviews and things like that to try and kind of backtrack and defend, all right, you know, you could you do what you got to do to save the movie. You know, I I, I get that. Uh, but this is just one of those examples where I'm not saying that one, like anyone involved in making this movie, is bad or anything like that. I'm not like lumping them in a category, and I and you know irresponsible. All right, maybe that's maybe that is a harsh word. I, I, I you know I, like I said I'm not trying to pass judgment here. All I'm saying is that from an execution standpoint, this is a very 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 muddy and confusing movie because of that ambiguity.
2: It's also trying to convince you, again, like to return to the ambiguity of an ambiguity that doesn't exist. So not just on the moral perspective about cheating, but the other question that it raises and that I think we would all agree is a good and troubling question is, you know, what happens when politics becomes people's lives and not the substance and the issues. And I think that that's very concerning. And we see that happening today. You know, a movie like Network (laughs) raised that question 40 years ago. And the answer that Network gives is, there's no solution, we're fucked. um, Which is a plausible answer, right? This Mm -hmm. movie tries to make it seem like there's some solution out there to this problem, but then doesn't offer it, and it's just unbelievable. We've been dealing with this deterioration in our national conversation for 40 or more years, and for this movie to come in here and say, "No, no, there's some answer." I mean, you better give the answer, otherwise yeah. Yeah. you're just you're ridiculous. You,
0: you better have the, key, the keys to the kingdom, otherwise you're a false prophet.
3: Yeah, they're <laughs> promising you that
0: there's some sort of answer if we just like look into our better natures,
2: but then doesn't give it. And so it's like, okay, right. no.
3: I feel like the answer you're supposed to have when you're coming out of it is precisely that the media has has become something that can't see straight. And thus, it's condemning men that are actually very intelligent, which is not actually what this character is supposed to be about. But like, that's the only thing. I. It's actually the the exact opposite. Yeah, it's it's I think it's the
0: exact opposite. I think it's that the media uh, is being more objective than ever. And they are taking down people that, you know, don't deserve a free pass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And But the weird thing then is that the movie asks us to have allegiance and sympathy with the wrong character in that situation. <laughs> Maybe it should have been about <laughs> Al Frankton. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Well, at Ooh. least there's
2: more, you know, nah. there's some debate there, right? Like people, dis- reasonable people disagree as to whether... He was treated fairly or unfairly. People have reacted or not. You know, at least there seems to be more room for reasonable people to disagree there than with Gary Hart.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. To what extent do you think the fact that they cast Hugh Jackman, who's just loved by everyone, and just sort of like shifted our perception of his character?
1: I think like a hundred and ten percent. About twenty minutes in, I started going wait. Is this guy actually written to be likable or is that just – is he <laughs> posted on Hugh Jackman's charm? And I'm fairly certain it's just straight up Hugh Jackman.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think like who is like an actor that could pull off unlikable but ha- – because this is a hard role to play, right? Because to the American people, Gary Hart was perceived as a likable candidate. He was the front runner, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to portray that, but at the same time, you also have to be able to portray how he is behind closed doors. And I I genuinely feel that if a more unlikable actor were cast in that role and the performance, quote unquote, was the good guy persona. And then when we saw uh, how he treated the whole situation behind closed doors with the campaign team, his family, etc. And we saw that Actor more in their element mm-hmm. in that more villainous role. I, I feel like it would have been better. I feel like it would have been better casting. I just, I just don't know who who it would be. Um, is all right. But I mean, I know that actor exists out there, and I'm sure they could have gone a star that also was probably maybe as bankable as Hugh Jackman to possibly do it. But man, I can't hate Hugh Jackman. I love Hugh Jackman. It's like asking me to hate Tom Hanks. You know, <laughs> how am I going to do this? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So, I will say this. I think that, you know, from the opening shot of the film, where it, it, it almost, and I've heard a couple people say uh, Robert Altman comparisons here, you know, I definitely was getting vibes to something like The Player mm-hmm. with the uh, opening of the film. And I was definitely enjoying the editing and the sound, and I really liked the pacing of the movie, too. I never actually thought that this movie ever slogged at any point. Uh, but... Man, (sighs) (laughs) like, presentation, the clothes, the color, the look of the film, everything with that, I I, I just, like, I really enjoyed it. I just, moving away then, just from the screenwriting aspect of it, I I also felt, too, that Hugh Jackman's performance, like, it's good, it's solid. I I do think he's miscast, Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's anything extraordinary, um, and, you know, you then kind of hope, well, maybe there's somebody in the supporting cast that, you know, has a really, you know, big performance that we can like kind of, you know, latch on to, you know. But J.K. Simmons doesn't get that much to do outside of a few J.K. Simmons one-liners and zingers. From behind the desk. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vera Farmiga. I hate this, using this word, but I'm going to use it. Wasted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's too talented to be wasted like this. It's actually upsetting. It makes me more upset. And then you have this um, ensemble of recognizable people from television and other uh, various films, some character actors that we've seen before. And same thing. I'm just like...
1: Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Especially, you know, you've got some of these actors in there that we've seen great performances from and you see like a hint that it could have been a great supporting performance if they'd been allowed the screen time like even I thought like Alfred Molina has been uh Bradley like I really wanted more of that but we're just not allowed that I feel like by the screenplay
3: right yeah there were there were two heated moments that I felt that the drama was finally sort of raising a little bit and one was the, there was like an interaction between Hugh Jackman and J.K. Simmons. They're having a fight, and I was like, "Oh man, this is the real acting, like a potential Oscar scene."
0: <laughs> oh, it's a scene in the trailer, right? exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And then I also did like um, the actor who played the journalist for the Washington Post.
0: Oh, oh he's, he's in, in a Asi, ma- 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 ma-
2: ma- Is that, ma-
3: that a- I see. Yes, he played A.J. I was about to say yes. I liked when they he had an interaction with with Jackman as well and he's really probing him to, to show his vulnerability or what he doesn't necessarily want to show to the public. And that has good payoff, I thought.
0: That's probably
2: the best character, I thought. I just was, I, I was wondering, like, well, you said the payoff. Like, what was exactly the payoff? I, 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 I The
0: payoff is, a spoil, spoiler alert, um, for those that are listening, skip ahead 15 seconds. <laughs> the The payoff is that he asks him the hard question at the end and, like, kind of corners him.
2: No, but what I mean is, what's the story, like, what's the payoff in terms of what is he saying? Like, that relationship is also. Also, like a lot of the relationship in this movie, a little complicated. And is, is AJ Parker, you know, the reporter, um, a good reporter? Is he a bad reporter? I mean, does he cross the line into what Reitman thinks is not, you know, what a reporter should be doing? That's the, that's the one area where I found actually interested and more compelled to, to try to figure out how I felt about the guy. But maybe you guys. I, th-
0: I think he's the one reporter that is supposed to signify that idea of I really like this guy. I like him personally. I could even see a world where we would be friends. I would even I would vote for him. But I got to do my duty as a reporter. Right. Because yeah. Yeah. my obligation to the people is greater than this friendship and I need to make that decision.
2: But doesn't he cross the line though into personal attacks against him or that doesn't which I thought was fine but like that's one of the parts where the movie was A little bit at odds with itself
0: like that. Oh, you're uh, talking about the scene at the diner? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, okay, gotcha. I guess it depends on if you feel that the questioning really is out of line. And I think that that might vary uh, from person to person. I don't know if there's actually a right answer there.
3: Reitman's intended ambiguity. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I just yeah, felt it bad just for him. Actually works
0: there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I felt bad for him too. And I actually thought that was like the one moment in the movie where I finally saw like Hugh Jackman embracing the fact that he was being a bit of an asshole. Yes. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, Especially no. because, you know, like as a reporter, you've been sent out by your editor and he expects you to bring back something. And so, like, it's not that he is the one who wants to know that. It's that, you know, he's got higher-ups who expect him to get those answers. So I was like, that's a tough situation to be in as a reporter.
0: And that also lies then on Gary Hart to understand mm-hmm. that relationship. Right. And, and like, oh my God, so here's another recent example, that press conference that uh, our president just <laughs> had recently. Blech. And the way that he treats reporters probing at him and asking tough questions. It, it's like... I, I'm sorry, I can't keep real world politics out of it. Unfortunately, through the lens of this movie, it's it's it's. How could you? <laughs> you really, I mean, that's I, you really don't have to know
2: what's you were you know you were saying earlier um, how I would have how you would have felt five years ago. I mean, I I'm pretty sure that my feelings about this question, you know, have been this these for you know since before Trump was around. I I don't think that you know they might have been different in the '90s when I was younger and again defending Bill Clinton. But, you know, you, you you at least my views change and, and people's personal lives are relevant to the extent that, you know, they that they relate to their ability to govern. And I think the best example that I can give is maybe for me, the turning point was Elliot Spitzer. And way back in 2000 and oof, like, was it nine, <laughs> six, like a while ago, right? Like this guy yeah. was a guy who held himself out as like being morally, on, on, you know, reproachable and, and was lying and doing all, all sorts of questionable things. Um, th- there was James McGreevy who, you know, it broke my heart that he had gone through the pains as a not out gay man, but, you know, he was lying to his wife. Um, they're not people I, I hate. They're people that I feel bad for, but those experiences convinced me that that their personal lives are relevant to some extent and that it's not outside of the realm of decent reporting to ask those questions. So at least for me, That question was answered long before Trump was around.
0: And then the ultimate question I have to ask myself is this. Is there anything as a holistically good person? The answer, I think, is no. I think everybody's got something, you know?
3: Yeah.
0: It's something in their past from 15 years ago or something recent that may not be a big deal, but if you were running for public office, could be considered a big deal.
2: Right. No, like back to Kavanaugh, right? If he drank, I mean, drinking a lot is, that's okay. Like people drink a lot. He could have apologized for that, you know? Assaulting women is not okay. There's, everyone has things that you did that might not be great today, but that you can explain away. It's all a matter of degree. I completely agree with you. And that's why this movie is just not, you know, this movie's trying to make it seem like this guy did not have that. And it's just not believable.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that that's where that's where I kind of just ask myself then, what's like, what is the point of this movie? And I th- and it and it's almost like the conclusion I come to is that the point is that there is no point because there is no good and there is no bad. It's all gray. Period. And it's going to change depending on who you ask. So you might as well just say there is no there is no such thing as the truth. There is no such thing. It's like anyone that's like morally, you know, completely good outside of I don't know. Jesus, <laughs> what's like, like what, what is there? What, what are we left with in the end? And then it's like, away from if what?
2: His parents of the temple is a pretty bad boy when he was
0: a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and like that, Jesus loses the presidential nomination. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that, like, if everybody's got something, whether it's to hide or something from their past or whatever it is, right? it's like, then you start getting into like these really, really deep questions. I I don't even know. I start asking questions that I feel like are bigger than myself. And then all I'm left with is to throw my hands up in the air and be like, you know what? Let's just see how all this plays out, (laughs) you know? And that's how I feel like, that's what I think American politics is. It's like, let's see what narratives catch on and which ones
1: don't. Yeah, I guess in this situation though, really, you know, the dilemma is that, oh, the press have you know, shared this thing about his private life, but they're not really spinning it. They're just saying, you know, we caught him with this woman. And it's the American public who are judging him unfit based on that, in a way. Right? Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah. No, yeah, the absolutely. The American public who are judging, and if anyone is fit to judge a presidential candidate, surely it is them. Yeah. So it's like, I see... I feel like there are all these moral dilemmas that exist, but if that's what this film wanted to explore, I kind of feel like they picked the wrong subject because Gary Hart is so obviously in the wrong, according to your average person's morals. Yeah.
0: All right then. (laughs) Final thoughts. Do we have any final thoughts? Does any of this matter? (laughs) Uh, We're asking the big questions on this review.
2: Look, I think it's interesting. I think, that any movie that teaches people of a historical, um, historically significant episode or chapter is certainly worth more to me than like nine out of ten movies out there that are just drivel. So, hey, why not? You know, it, it, it at least does that. But it ultimately is all the words and
0: adjectives we've used and satisfying and, and a lot more. Yeah. Um. with you on that, uh, what grade would you give it, Jorge? Out of ten?
2: Um. I guess more like a six, probably five or six. Five or six. Yeah, I do. I normally do like letter grades and I was like looking, I gave it a B minus, which
0: is maybe, you know, probably slightly generous, but, you know, five or six. I would say, I would say that's like a six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nicole?
1: I gave it a four out of ten.
0: <laughs> All righty. Beatrice?
3: I am giving it a five out of ten.
0: Okay and I will be the bad guy as I'm sure many people after to listening to this will conclude I give it a 3 out of 10 Ouch. I, I can't think of another <laughs> movie this year that made me more angry than this and not even just so much based on quality because I've seen movies this year like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom that got me very upset because of the potential uh, that that movie had uh, with J.A. Bayona directing it and how it just felt like it totally just threw that away Um, This movie got me upset for more different reasons, and what's very interesting to me about this movie is that, like I said, as upset as it's made me, I kind of do want to see it again. I just don't know if I could bring myself to watch it again now. I feel like I could do it a long time from now, (laughs) like 10 years or something like that, because I do wonder how my perception of this film will change under different circumstances um, where I don't have, you know, constant stuff happening in the news that's reminding me of issues in this movie and, you know, vice versa. And as a result of which, it's just like I have now forever like this this view of this movie, you know what I mean? I, I, I need some time away from it before I could ever watch it again and formulate maybe a different opinion. To your point, Jorge, I really, really appreciate that this movie at least can bring about great discussion. That I like. And that I will always, always, always appreciate in any movie. Um, Because I'm here for the discussion. That's why the podcast exists. And if we can all come together and we could talk about it and not have it just be like, oh, well, so that was a movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know? If we can, you know, get... 30 minutes, whatever it is, out of it of thoughtful discussion about themes and questions of morality and so on and so forth. There's something there. So I, I, I think I would be willing to at least give this another chance in the future. Um, I'll tell you who's, who I don't think is going to give us a chance, and that's the Academy. Um, I have zero Oscar potential for this movie, and for a while I thought maybe Hugh Jackman could cling on to something there, but I, I don't think they're going to want to touch this movie. You don't yes. think
2: it's a weak enough like field? I mean, if if Denzel can get in for a pretty bad movie, can he get in?
0: <laughs> the answer to your question is yes. If you want to use that exact comparison, I guess anything is possible. But where Tenzel last year got nominations at major precursors, Golden Globe, Critics Choice, uh, SAG, uh, I, I I can't see Hugh Jackman landing anywhere except possibly Golden Globe, and even then, I think it's a huge stretch because this is not going to go comedy musical. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't see I don't see it happening. No, you're probably right. Uh, I, I, and, you know, like I said before, I think some of the texts in this movie, like I really did like the editing and I liked the sound work of this film. Uh, it's just, you know, yeah, it's not Oscar worthy. There's nothing really else to say there, yeah. I, I don't think.
3: For fans of Breitman at the very least, I think uh, it, it does offer more exciting sort of camera work and editing techniques, which is interesting if you're following the trajectory of his filmmaking at the very least. <laughs> I have to say,
0: I I, I struggle to think of any other director right now who is as much of a mixed bag as he is with me. He can make something truly, in my opinion, stupendous with Up in the Air and then go from making that to Labor Day. And the weird thing like with that take is you ask certain people. I think everyone has like a different answer for what their favorite Jason Reitman film is and what their least favorite is i don't think there's a general consensus with him yeah i mean he's very i think he's just very all over the place uh and, and, and that's kind of exciting too because you never know what you're gonna get you know yeah.
3: who would have thought <laughs> but, you know
0: as we said at the beginning of this podcast um if you're gonna watch a jason reitman film from 2018 i still recommend tully i loved it
3: yeah excellent film <laughs> yes
0: very good it's really i've been yeah. recommending it all right well with that said Jorge, thank you so much for joining us for this review here of The Front Runner. Uh, I would love it if you could tell everybody uh, where they can find you on the internet, sir.
2: Yeah, no, thanks again for having me. I'm on Twitter at JDonBurnham and I'm also on Instagram at AwardsPredicts.
0: I have to follow that. I don't think I follow that. (laughs) (sighs) Nice. Oh, I just got really excited. Okay, (laughs) Beatrice, where can they find you on the internet?
3: Find me on Twitter at BeansproutBia.
0: And Nicole,
1: I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Nicole Ackman16.
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of the front runner here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acas, Castbox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We appreciate any words that you can leave us. It really, really helps us uh, in terms of gaining some, uh, you know, some eyeballs on the podcast if you leave us a review. So I don't overdo that. Yes, I did just snap my fingers. Also, too... (laughs) If you are feeling generous enough, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next
3: time. at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions. apply.